Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to normalize grief and loss through candid conversations and shared experiences. Hosted by me, Sally Douglas, and me, Imogen Khan. We unfortunately joined a club that nobody wants to be part of when we both lost our mums unexpectedly. This podcast aims to create a space to openly discuss what grief is like and provide comfort for those who might be going through a similar experience. We'll shed light on an often taboo subject with honesty, hope and a little bit of humour. Today we're joined by Danielle Snelling, who is co-founder of Motherless Daughters Australia, an organisation that provides support for girls and women experiencing mother loss and the reason that Imogen and I met. So we have a lot to thank her for. Danielle was 23 when her mum, Rosa, aged 56, died from a rare form of gynaecological cancer in 2012. Through her grief and loneliness, Danielle longed to connect with other women in the same shoes as there was no support specific to losing a mother. So Danielle decided to invest her time and channel her energy into creating the support network she would have liked. And in 2013, along with her co-founder, she established the incredible not-for-profit organisation, Motherless Daughters Australia. Welcome, Danielle. We actually wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you. So we pretty much owe this whole podcast to you. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> we really do. Yeah. Thank you, Danielle. It's so nice to have you join us today. Yeah, we're uh, very excited. Uh, thank you very much for having me. If it wasn't for your incredible Facebook group, Sally and I wouldn't have connected, which is just huge. It's such an amazing resource for women that have lost their mum. I stumbled across your organisation, Danielle, just from Googling motherless daughters. And then I found it and I just felt like it was such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And then when, when I joined the private Facebook group, it was just so comforting to hear from other women who had experienced mother loss and, you know, sharing their stories. And you just know that you're not alone. It's such an incredible, incredible support group. And Im and I met at a lunch that one of the girls who was in the group that was based in Sydney organised just a get together for 10 people. And yeah, the rest is history. It but is. Here so, we are. so grateful to you, Danielle. What you've done and what you've created is just absolutely brilliant. And I'm sure there are so many people out there who just have really, really benefited from being part of Motherless Daughters Australia. So thank you. Oh, wow. What a what lovely thing to say. Um, Oh, I'm so I'm so happy that the two of you are able to meet and connect and and develop something you know really amazing and that will benefit so many other people just from that connection. So well done, you guys. <laughs> um, Danielle, do you want to start by telling our listeners about your lovely mum? Sure. Oh gosh, uh, mum was is was is I never know what to say still about about that I know um, I think is. he's Italian yeah. <laughs> she still is yes Italian oh she was a great cook she was just such a such a mum and you know I don't think there was ever a time when me or my brother doubted her love for us she always put us first and and was just gosh the void is just so big that there's just there's nothing that can compare to her for me anyway. So Danny, do you want to start by telling us what happened to your mum? My mum was diagnosed just after my twenty first birthday when I was still at uni and she she was postmenopausal and her symptoms just kind of weren't right for women who were postmenopausal. They kind of screamed that she had some sort of gynecological cancer and Unfortunately, it was turned away by a number of doctors a number of times saying, you know, it's nothing, don't worry about it. And the nothing and don't worry about it turned out to be a really aggressive form of cancer that started in her fibroids, uh, in her in the lining of her uterus. And fibroids are really common and lots of women have them, but unfortunately, it's very, very rare that some do turn cancerous. And she was that 0.1 or 2 or 3% that got that type of cancer and she, you know, had a full hysterectomy but unfortunately it had already spread to her lungs and after two years of chemo and radiation and um, all the things that go with cancer, yeah, unfortunately she died from a, an infection. 
Oh, Danny, I'm so sorry. It's heartbreaking. Mm. And 56 is so young to yeah. to die. It's just way too early. Mm. And I guess for mm. you as well at 23, that is just super young to lose your mum. And I just, yeah, my heart goes out to 23-year-old Danielle having to deal with that. That's <laughs> a lot. Yeah, it's just, oh, it was awful. I just, God, you know, that that time's really a bit of a blur. I, I just, I would never go back to that time or the day that it happened. I just, I feel sorry for the 23-year-old Danielle as well and, yeah. and even more so for my, my brother was 14 at the time. Oh, um, and so well, I became mum to him pretty much straight away. That's and a huge responsibility. Was, yeah, yeah, and I, that's probably one thing I wouldn't I, I wouldn't change for the world because he and I just have the most incredible friendship and relationship, and he's absolutely my best friend. Yeah, we're very close. We're thick as thieves, as a lot of people call us. I love that. I do feel like when. You lose a parent, I know it can bring siblings um, really close together. I know it's happened with my sister and I. We mm. always got along, but our relationship has definitely blossomed since losing my mum and I feel a, like clo- a closer to her than I ever have before. Mm. So I think that is quite a common experience. Yeah, which is, you know, un- unfortunate by means of how you got there. But I know, but so, we got there. <laughs> so lovely, exactly, yeah. and... You know, if anything, that's a really lovely thing that can come of something so awful. Absolutely. When your mum passed, did it happen quite quickly in terms of the infection and then did things go downhill quite quickly? Did you feel like you were prepared? Yeah, I definitely wasn't prepared because she had just started on a clinical trial that was working and her cancer was shrinking Mm. and she had a, a pick in her um, where they would hook the chemo up and that had to be dressed. I think it was once a week actually and that's where the infection came from in the process of it being cleaned and the dressing being changed and it was over, it was a couple of days before Christmas where she started to go downhill just with a fever and, you know, I thought, oh, my God, the cancer must be just running wild in there somewhere and then had blood tests and it showed that she had a um, a staph infection. So she was admitted to hospital. And by the time she was admitted to hospital, she was just delirious and hallucinating from the temperature. Oh, goodness. And, and then she died on the 4th of January from sepsis. So that I, I wasn't prepared for that at all because she kind of didn't die from the cancer. And, you know, and we were really happy because the trial that she was on was working and it wouldn't have I mean it wouldn't have skewered her and you know but she certainly wouldn't have died when she did from an infection. I can also imagine the frustration that your family must have had with the doctors that turned your mum away saying that there was something wrong with her like I think that's a very common issue that happens. Mm, I struggled with that for a long time because and and still do today because I think if she was only if she was just listened to, and I went, I remember going to the doctors with her once and they and she said to them, Look, I feel like I can feel something growing inside me, wow. and it was just, oh you've pulled a muscle, oh here's panadine for it, go and take some of that, and it just such negligence and yeah. incompetence really. Um, and people. People know their bodies as well. Like we can feel when something's not right. So if we're going to the doctor and saying something doesn't feel right, you know, to not be taken seriously, it's just, it is, it's negligence. It is. And I I just think, you know, she she should have been listened to. And the number of doctors that said to her, fibroids aren't cancerous, they're always benign. I, I can't tell you how many of them said that to her. And... The more research we did and we got onto a really great gynecologist at the time and he said, look, there is a rare chance that they can turn cancerous and unfortunately this is one of those times. She so, fell into that small percent of mm, people. But I think that is important for listeners to 
to know that if something doesn't feel right, just push push your doctor. If they say, no, I don't mm. think it's anything, just push for testing. Yeah, I agree. I think absolutely just keep pushing. Yeah. And if you're not listened to, go somewhere else yeah. until you are. And so after her passing, Danielle, what did those first few months look like for you? Did you decide to start Motherless Daughters quite soon after your mum passed or was it a year or so after? I I was, I guess like everybody, you are really busy organising the funeral and everybody's at your house and mm. everybody cares about you and everybody's there and wants a piece of you and then once the funeral uh, comes and goes, most people disappear mm. and it's the ones that you thought would disappear that don't and they kind of tend to be the ones that hang around surprisingly which is lovely but eventually you know that that dies off as well and everybody goes back to their lives and the world keeps turning when yours has totally stopped Mm. and I just kind of kept going because of Dean my brother and I had him to focus on but there did come a point in time where I felt so alone and I was really isolated and I lived with my dad and, and brother Dean at the time and I was constantly surrounded by men and just missed like some sort of female influence or female, older female to talk to and nobody I knew had lost their mum and certainly nobody my age. And so I did seek grief counselling to begin with And I was seeing a lady who was in her 60s and still had her mum, which was fabulous for her, but I couldn't relate to that. No. And she couldn't relate to me. And I felt that the the only sort of level of support or assistance she could give me was from perhaps her experience with other clients and what she'd learned over the years just, in you know, theory and study, yes. Yeah. So it it just it just wasn't helping me, and I I knew I knew that I would benefit from connecting with somebody else my age who had lost their mum, and I went searching to see what I could find and if there was anything. And Facebook wasn't really big back then when Mum died. It was it was around, but not as kind of used as it is now. And I searched and and there was nothing and so I just kind of joined this generalised grief group on Facebook and put like made a post in there and I just said, hi, is anyone here from Melbourne um, who has lost their mum and who's my age and who has a brother? I had a very strict criteria because I wanted nearly just the exact same as I could get. And Eloise got back to me and we started chatting and then we met at a, a cafe in Melbourne and I remember on the morning that I met her, I said, oh, look, I've only got an hour because I've got all these appointments on this particular day. So I went and, and met with her and ended up cancelling everything because I had just found my person and we were there six years, six, six years, six days, six hours. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a long time. <laughs> we're still here six years later. But, um, <laughs> Six hours later, we, I think we had breakfast, lunch and afternoon tea in the same cafe and we just talked and talked and finished, finished each other's sentences and literally just had a, an understanding for everything. Eloise was, sounds so much like my Sally. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah it helped that to have that person. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's so great. Actually, I, I was talking to Eloise just the other day about your podcast and that you guys had met, you know, at one of the MDA catch-ups. And Eloise said, oh, do you reckon that they've got this connection just like you and I had? Do you think they're another version of me and you? Oh, I, I thought, love oh, that. Gosh, I bloody hope so because it's just the best. Like, yeah. it's, you know, we've got this huge void that our mum has left but, and no one's ever going to feel that. But see, Eloise comes close for me. She really does. We were say, like we were having this exact conversation on Friday, Sally and I, and just mm-hmm. saying like it's been a really shit time for us, but having mm-hmm. found each other mm-hmm. and met through you know these really awful circumstances, we're so thankful for the relationship 
that we've had and mm. it's just it's been so easy like I think with friendships like sometimes it takes a lifetime to get to that place where you know you really know each other and it's really comfortable but Sally and I just sort of like I guess through the deaths of our mum we just got we got it and we got each other and it's just mm. been a really really it's been a blessing out of out of everything that's happened. So I think, yeah, mm-hmm. we are Danielle and Eloise 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. But it's, yeah, it's so beautiful that you found that. And I guess it is the gift from a, a shit circumstance comes, mm. you know, a beautiful gift and a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Um, and that's a silver lining. Mm. Like you say, it can be so lonely. And if you're not surrounded mm. by other women or, you know, you don't have other women in your close proximity or in your close family it can be really really hard and yeah it's a lonely road so it's brilliant that you found each other so great and I mm. think as well like your Facebook group was a huge help for me I lost my mum to suicide and I felt like no one had gone through what I'd gone through and I remember in mm. the early days I did post on Motherless Daughters Australia and I was so nervous doing it and I was sort of shaking but I just I wanted to kind of put it out there and see if anyone had gone through that type of loss and I posted it how I'd lost my mum and just said I'm wondering if anyone else is going through a similar experience and I had such an overwhelming response on the Facebook post and all these really kind women came out and had said you know, I lost my mum the same way, you know, you're not alone, it's really hard, message me anytime, like, it's just such a beautiful mm. community that you've built. Yeah, they are, I'm so humbled every day by by what, you know, has been created and it, you know, Eloise and I may have started that initial phase of the organisation, but it's, it's definitely the women in the community that make it the supportive beautiful space that it is today because we are so lucky like it's just that there's never any judgment in there or nastiness it's always really supportive and kind and I think that's what makes it such a a safe space to go to and where people are able to feel vulnerable and disclose things that perhaps they wouldn't usually disclosed to others because it is received so well and and without any sort of judgment so yeah we're really proud of of that it's it's so special so you met Eloise in the cafe and you were chatting for six years six years (laughs) six years (laughs) so so what was what happened next like when did the idea come for motherless daughters australia i'd i'd already kind of thought to myself prior to meeting Eloise when i found that there was absolutely nothing I thought oh gee wouldn't it be nice if there was something and if there's not wouldn't it be nice to create it so I kind of had it in mind when I had met Eloise and was overcome I guess with the excitement and the relief of finding somebody just like me Mm. and so to be able to sit there and develop that really unique bond with her made it really, really easy to talk to her about what I wanted to do. And there wasn't really a doubt in my mind that she was the right person to come on the adventure with me and start something because I had no idea what I was doing. I'm a teacher and Eloise worked in pharmacy. So we had no idea how to start a not-for-profit or where to look to begin with or who to talk to. So we started from scratch and I... I think back to what the things that I did and who I reached out to and what I said and sometimes I just think, oh gosh, you just grew the biggest pair of balls and reached out to so many people and I just sometimes think, God, I, I just, I had no fear and I, I think I was driven by that feeling of isolation and loneliness and didn't want anybody else to experience that so you know come hell or high water I'm going to find people who can help me set something up and Lynn Swinburne who's the founder of Breast Cancer Network Australia was really instrumental in helping us start the not-for-profit and kind of teaching us the stepping stones as to as to where to begin and um, we we registered the name and we got the ABN and all that type of thing and then we had to go and find a board of directors and 
thankfully we found a, a great group of women who you know had lots of experience in the space both corporate and not-for-profit and we wanted all of them to have lost their mum so they all lost their mum quite young because we felt it was really important to have that first-hand experience especially in the early days mm. and they just really helped us shape what we wanted it to be and guided us um, in terms of our vision and purpose and mission. And the whole process started back in 2013, but we were officially kind of registered as a, a not-for-profit in early 2018 and, and now have a network of over 4,000 women. Just incredible. Congratulations. Amazing. That's yeah. such an achievement. And I think when you experience a loss, it is turning your pain into passion, mm. you know, and using your experience to help others, I think is so admirable yeah. because it's not an easy thing to do. And turning know. it into a purpose mm. as well, like finding your purpose in the pain. We Definitely. can't change what's happened, but we can, you know, create the purpose. It reminds me of mm. one of my favourite grief-related quotes, which is by a lady called Christine Kane. Sometimes when you're in a dark place and you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted... And I just love mm. that. And I think that really applies to what you've done, Danielle. Yeah. It wasn't, it's like it wasn't a choice for you. It was like, this is what I need to do and I'm going to do it no matter what's in the way. Mm. It's just kind of like, yeah, it became your purpose. Oh, look, nothing's ever going to fix or make it easier. But I think doing something with it helps you cope with it. Yeah. In a way. I agree. Sometimes. Did you find yeah. that starting Motherless Daughters Australia helped you with your grieving process? Sometimes I think yes, and other times I think maybe not so much. Mm. I, th- I still do have really horrible days, and I just, I've just made peace with that now. That's what it's going to be like for the rest of my life, and that's okay. But there are some days where it's the most amazing thing and... You know, some of our initiatives, for example, our Memories of Mum journals for kids, boys and girls who have lost their mum, seeing the impact that this little journal has had on them and the types of conversations that um, helped to create and start between these kids and their caregivers or auntie and uncle or grandparents is so rewarding and that they're the types of things that make me think there's a lot of pain associated with doing this but when you see so many people benefiting and then when you hear about stories like you know yourself connecting and then doing something amazing from that they're the things that make me keep going but there certainly are some days where I'm so immersed in MDA and everybody else's grief that it does get overwhelming at times and yeah and that's okay and I've just learned on those days, I just have to step back for a day or two and just do what I need to do to kind of come out of the little hole that I go in. But for the most part, it certainly has given me direction and purpose because when I was 23 and when mum died, I had no direction. And the only purpose I had was I need to still be here to get my brother through VCE and You know, I have to be here and celebrate all of his milestones because mum isn't. So, yeah, in a nutshell, it it has helped and it's given me a lot of of direction that I probably wouldn't have had. And when you do have those bad days, what do you do to help get yourself through them? Do you have any coping mechanisms that you've learned over time really help? Yes, you're going to laugh. I have learned that showers are the most amazing thing ever and some days I will have 10 showers just you get in there and you feel good when you get out for five minutes or an hour and then sometimes I start to feel shit again oh must be time for another shower Wait, my hot water runs out so quickly <laughs> you do so, like a bath don't you? I do like a bath but I'd be like standing there in a freezing cold shower if I tried to have two. <laughs> oh god no but you're so I, right like a nice warm yeah. shower it's like a big hug yes. isn't it and do you love it like so boiling great. hot like my partner cannot handle it he's like it's too hot I'm like I need it steaming so it's like burning my skin <laughs> Ah, uh, it depends. 
sometimes hot and sometimes it's cold. And if I'm feeling really shitty, I will put on, you know, all those types of songs that make you bore your eyes out. And I'll put that on while I'm in the shower and cry oh, and good get it shower out. Cry. Not and then, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I find as stupid as that sounds, I find that is really, really helpful. And the other thing that I do, and I appreciate that not everybody has a person like this in their life to talk to and be completely open with, but I just ring Eloise. Like she, there are some days I would be dead in a gutter if it wasn't for her. And I'm I'm really lucky to be able to be working with somebody on MDA that that I can ring and, and share how I'm feeling with and, and she will understand. But yeah, look I, I know that not not everybody has somebody like that and, and everybody copes differently. You've just gotta find something that, that works for you and for me it's ten thousand showers in one week. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah, I love it. And I think to your point, not everybody has somebody that they can call that really understands but that's where your organization and the especially the private facebook group that you have created you can connect yeah it's so so helpful i remember in the first months after losing mum before i met imogen there were things that i was going through and i didn't have anyone to talk to that might know how i was feeling and i remember when i joined the private facebook group i wrote a post to say does anyone else just feel at absolutely exhausted because I just felt like I had I just felt wiped out constantly and I was sleeping for like 11 12 hours and even then I was just I felt like a zombie and I remember writing a post and asking the Facebook group and the response was overwhelming and so many people replied and said you know I have the exact same thing don't worry it's completely normal and just being able to relate to others and just know you're not alone is so so important and at any time of the day or night as well like people are constantly there ready to respond which is huge because you know people grieving in the middle of the night when everyone else has gone to sleep and you just feel so alone and it helps to have that resource. Yeah, I think not not only the connection element, but, I mean, that's certainly really, really important and it can make the world of difference. But I think having, you know, I think we're at nearly 4,000 um, members now in the support group, but having so many women come forward when you post and back what you're feeling mm. provides, a sense of validation and reassurance that you are normal and it is going to be okay. And it's the type of reassurance that I don't think we can get from just anybody else Mm. uh, who hasn't understood our loss or experienced our loss. Certainly people who have experienced grief before would have you know, a level of understanding. But I think what makes it really special is we've all lost our mum. So there is no, you know, oh, but you just lost your dog. I don't know that that you can kind of relate that with me. Yes, it's grief, but that person's never going to feel truly understood or related to because it's not the same. And I, I think that's one thing I've found is that through talking to so many women, they feel really connected and supported because everyone's experienced the exact same loss. And losing your mum is such a significant loss as well. I know you and I have chatted briefly on this one, Danny, but, you know, just about the fact that losing your mum and going through that experience, it's something more than grief, isn't it? It is. I I actually think that losing your mum, particularly early mother loss well before you know well before their time I think is actually more associated with trauma I don't actually think there's a lot of grief associated well for me anyway I feel mine is more a trauma response than a grief response because I I, I definitely don't want to come across like I'm diminishing anybody else's grief because it's awful to lose a mum at any age but I feel when you lose your mum young, it, there's so many more co- complexities that kind of come with that. And and I, I know from speaking to others that they kind of do relate to it as more of a trauma because 
not only are you left trying to figure out your identity and for some people, you know, they're trying to find out who they are without their mum before they've even had a chance to find out who they are as their own person. And then you start to worry, well, what what if other important people in my life die? And what if other people who were young die around me? And I think it just carries just lots of complexities. It's really, it's really profound. It, it really is. And there's not enough awareness about it. It's really interesting. Like I would have to agree with you. Like even losing my mum at 32, I felt like I kind of know who I am at this age, but at 23, I had absolutely no idea who the fuck I was and was not in a place where I could have handled that sort of thing happening. So I think it it, it is absolutely a trauma. And you have to be mm. quite strong, I think, to navigate it. And you need your mum, that, that female role model in your life, like losing that is is huge. Eloise was 13 when her mum died and was left with her dad and, and two brothers. So, again, no real female um, role model or influence in her life and has just very recently had a little girl, Matilda, and I think this is the first milestone of having a baby is when she's found the loss of her mum and the grief around that so acutely because she doesn't know, you know, she was so young so doesn't really remember what it's like to have a mum or to to know her mum's medical history and to just have that support that women turn to when they are pregnant or when they are having a baby. So I think I think that's where the, the trauma part comes in because it's you know as we were saying before yeah you don't you, you just don't know what you're doing when you when you suffer such an early premature loss. Poor Eloise, like my heart breaks for her. That is a time where you need your mum the most. Mm-hmm. And not, yeah, not having her around to be able to ask her those questions or come to those appointments with you and just meet your child even. Like it's just, it's mm-hmm. really heartbreaking. You spoke earlier, Danielle, about the initiatives that Motherless Daughters Australia do. Can you talk us through a little bit more about the different things that you do to help those that have experienced mother loss? Yeah, um, so our very first event that we ever did was a, a pre-Mother's Day high tea which was held in Melbourne on the Sunday before Mother's Day. And we had, I think, 14 women come along. Yeah, 14. And some flew in from interstate. So I guess that's when it really cemented for us that this is something that's really needed if women are flying in from interstate and spending 100 bucks to do so. So that kind of became our signature thing. Um, a pre-Mother's Day high tea and this year thanks to COVID we couldn't do them but we've done so fairly successfully for the last three years and have been able to expand into other states so we've done Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney and Canberra and each year the numbers in each have just grown and grown which has been really great and to see so many women come in who are just strangers and connect with each other is is really really beautiful but aside from that, there, there's the support group and we've got a fact sheet on our website on how to support a motherless daughter for the wider community. We've got a couple of initiatives for, for young kids, for children who lose their mum, one for Memories of Mum journal. And um, we're working on another at the moment. But also something we're really, really keen to do is champion research in the area because there's no... There's no research, well, there's very little research, Australian research on mother loss. There's a little bit of international research and it certainly does uh, support the need for an organisation or the support for women and girls who do lose their mums. It also highlights that there are so many developmental impacts, so social, physical spiritual development is impacted by mother loss, including a loss of identity. So we definitely know there's some research there to back that up, but we we really need to champion this in Australia so that more and more people 
and the wider community can better understand the impact of mother loss so that we can educate and raise awareness on how to support someone that you know who has lost their mum. Because, I mean, in general, Australia don't do grief very well we do, anyway. We definitely do not. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know, part of MDA's vision, I guess, is to revolutionise the way we approach grief and how we support people grieving. Such important work that you're doing. To your point, mother, I mean, Mother's Day can be so incredibly tough if you've lost your mum. And I think just creating an event where women can connect and celebrate their mums is absolutely brilliant. I know for Im and I this year, we found Mother's Day incredibly hard because it was our first Mother's Day without our mums. And my first one as a mum as well, which yeah. was like, great, thank you. Didn't expect it to be like this. You know, we just took ourselves off social media and tried to do something nice that day to to honour them. But we can't wait to come to the next Mother's Day high tea. We will be there with bells on. We will. And how did you find, Danielle, over the years, like those milestones, so things like Mother's Day, birthdays, yeah. anniversaries. 30th birthday. How have you navigated Ooh. those big milestones? Oh, I think every year has been different for me. I've gotten better at coping with them and, and that's because I don't plan anything on those days. In the early, in the early years, I thought to myself, Oh, I've got a plan and that'll help me get through the day better. And then I would wake up on the day and I'd feel like shit. And then I'd be extra disappointed or extra feeling like shit because I just didn't have the energy to get up and go and do what I'd planned so I felt let down in that respect so I guess over time and and my grief evolving has kind of taught me to just wake up on the day and do whatever I feel like doing without worrying about what anybody else thinks about what I'm doing I've also gotten very good at choosing my audience in terms of picking who I talk to about how I feel about those days to avoid the comments or the opinions of others that don't serve me well and make the day more difficult. But usually on the days, yeah, I just wake up and do whatever I, I feel like doing on the day. I mean, for the last three years on mum's anniversary, my partner has a boat, so we just go out on the boat together for the day and pick a nice spot to anchor and just sit. But, you know, that could involve changing my mind 30,000 times on the morning of before I decide what I want to do. After 10, um, 10 showers as well? After, well, <laughs> probably after 20 on a, on a milestone day. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I, I've just really learnt to go with the flow on those days and um, not kind of expect too much of myself. Certainly uh, MBA has now takes up a lot of my time because that's our awareness week the week before Mother's Day so quite often I'm far too busy to give much thought to what I'll do on Mother's Day and I guess that's kind of helped me just go with the flow on the day because I haven't had time to plan anything but yeah I think they are definitely very hard days and you need to surround yourself with people who are going to allow you the space to feel what you feel without trying to fix it. That is such good advice, choosing yeah. your audience wisely because mm. not everyone is going to know how to respond in a way that is helpful to you. So I think being yeah. aware of that is really important. And Danny, mm. um, I wanted to ask you as well. So you're obviously a bit further along in your grief than Sal and I. We call ourselves grief newbies. I just wanted to know... Is there anything kind of surprising that you've found about your grief? Because I know with me, I guess it's kind of based on that analogy of your grief being like the ocean and it ebbs and flows and the waves come crashing down. Mm. But what has surprised me is that there are moments where you are okay and I was kind of expecting that every, you know, every day is just going to be just sobbing and, and just, yeah, horrific but you know, sometimes you do feel numb and okay. And I guess it's your mind and your body's way of coping with it because we can't function if we're constantly, you know, in that deep grief space. But yeah, is there anything that you found quite surprising about your grief over the years or earlier on? Much the same as you. I mean, there are days where I'm fine and other days I'm terrible. 
But I think perhaps not something that surprised me, but more so something that I've now come to terms with is that, you know, I was very close to my mum and not having her here is awful. And the thought not having her here ever again is really difficult to comprehend. And I found that I'm now now okay with my grief. I'm okay with not being okay every day. And I'm not waiting for it to get better or for it to go away. It's something I've, it is surprising in a way that coming to this realisation that it's something I'm going to carry with me forever. And some days, you know, the briefcase, invisible briefcase I'm carrying is going to be heavier on other days and a little bit lighter on others. And realising that and being okay with that has made the shitty days more, a little bit easier to there knowing that it it won't be like that continually but it will be back again and that I'm okay with that yeah and I guess so just sort of understanding that grief isn't something we're just going to graduate from and then that's Mm. it and it's gone and then we move on with our lives it is something I think that we are going to carry for the rest of our lives and it does chop and change but Mm. yeah carrying it with a sense of pride as well you know shows how much we loved (laughs) we loved our mum yeah, absolutely. And Danny, what advice would you have for someone who is in their 20s who's experienced mother loss? Do you have any like coping mechanisms that, that you could share? Look, I definitely think join the support group and, and get involved with MDA because connecting with someone who understands was sometimes life-saving for me. And we'll link the um, we'll link the group in our show notes as well for any listeners that don't know where to access it. And the yeah, we'll link your website and, yeah. and um, some of the resources that you've mentioned as well today. I mean, aside from that, I think just you know not not having expectations of yourself to feel better because that's what society tells you, or not worrying about those five stages of grief because I mean you don't start at one stage and finish at the you know, the last stage and then you're done, that's your life forever. And the bad days will, you know, lessen and they won't be as frequent and you will find happiness and you will smile again. And, and just, well, I think that I think I put lots of pressure on myself and if I could go back and have a word to myself, that's probably what I would say and get rid of the people that don't serve you and make, make your grief so much harder than it needs to be. I wouldn't waste time with half the people I did back when I was 23 persevering or thinking I was the problem. Mm. You know, they had the problem with accepting that I was now a different person mm. and that I'm carrying a lot of pain and and it becomes their issue if they can't sit in that space with you and support you through that. Just get rid of anyone that doesn't serve you well or make you feel good because you need people around you that, don't try to fix and can sit with you in the shit and and let you know that it is going to be okay and, and that they are going to be there, rain, hail or shine. It's more so a message for people who are supporting somebody grieving. But, yeah, I think you just have to take each day as it comes without any expectations on yourself. Not focusing your energies on people that, that aren't supporting you in your grief is mm. is good advice because... I think when you lose somebody, you realize that life is short and it puts into perspective that it is important to surround yourself with positive people and people mm. that lift you up, not bring yeah. you down. And people that don't make it about themselves as well. Mm. I find that is... Yeah. Or compare. Some, yeah. Yes. Yep. You can't out-grief <laughs> someone. <can you? laughs> it's no. Not a, grief is not a competition. <laughs> no, absolutely not a competition. And I mean, I, I think there's people that are going to be understanding. I, I remember saying, not long after mum died, I was petrified of other people I love dying as well. And I remember saying that to someone I was friends with and she said to me, oh, don't be silly. That's not going to happen. And I thought, why would you say that to me? Just say, I understand that that's probably something that you must be really scared of. It, it makes perfect sense. You know, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Not don't be silly for feeling something that you feel. I think 
don't dismiss what somebody's feeling because that's not fair. Just nod and acknowledge say, it. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. I understand that that must be a hard thing to, to feel or to think. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, or just say, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. 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 Perfect answer. Yeah, there's your answer. And then, I'm not going And then anywhere. go and have a shower. <laughs> or ten. <laughs> <laughs> I do think um, as well, I've chatted to a few people since starting this podcast. It's kind of like got me even talking to strangers about death and dying and loss and grief. And um, I have chatted to a couple of people who have lost a loved one to cancer and they've said, they've both said that they are frightened of getting cancer themselves as well. Mm. And I think that that could be a common one. I don't know if you experience that, but I do think, yeah, people start to get worried uh, about their uh, own health. I am petrified, petrified yeah. of that. Uh, Cause I just think, well, it happened to my mum. must be going to happen to me. And you know, my very, very good friends always come out with the right answer. They say, you know, look at, normal that that's what you think but you just be vigilant and just get checked when you feel you need to get checked and so you've got peace of mind like you know they never say I don't be stupid or yeah yeah and I I think you know from having spoken to others as well Imogen that it's, it's very common and it's so understandable it really is yeah it's good to know that I guess that is a normal response to have those thoughts and feelings as well and people aren't going Definitely. crazy for, you know, worrying no. about health phobias or things going wrong. Like we all, <laughs> we all do it. And Danny, do you, do you have any advice for somebody who might be supporting someone that's experiencing grief and loss? Especially I think in their, in their early twenties. Mm. Yes. I think be consistent. <laughs> don't say you're going to be there for somebody if you absolutely don't mean that and can't deliver on that because we hang on every word that you say and don't, you know, people feel they need to fix and that's a normal response and we can't blame them for that. It's perhaps that they just don't know any better or they feel that that's their way of supporting, but there's no expectation from us that people need to fix it. It's, it's not something that can be fixed. Just sit, sit with us in the shit and listen don't have to have an answer for everything. It's okay to say, I, I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. Hold that I space. Think, yeah, hold the space. And, you know, I know that it's hard to remember dates, but it means so much to me and I'm sure it will fit for you too as well. But it means the world to me when people remember my mum's birthday. Mm. going to get upset. Or um, when she died or when they think of me on my birthday and they wish me a happy birthday, like my very best friends know that my birthday isn't a happy birthday and will always acknowledge that. Mm. So if you can remember the the important dates for your friend or your partner or whoever it is, it it means the world to have their mum or their loved one acknowledged it, it really does it's the greatest gift that you could ever give them I love that and birthdays are so hard aren't they I just had my 33rd birthday was it 33rd yeah. 33rd <laughs> birthday last week and it was weird like it was so weird mm. it wasn't a happy birthday and it's the first year I didn't really do anything or acknowledge it or organize anything with friends and I just I didn't want to yeah I didn't want to celebrate I hope, hopefully that changes one day. Maybe I will get back to it, but it's it like, will change. Yeah, it will. It will, and there'll always be elements of the day where you go, "God, I wish Mum was here." Or I just want that call, be... that one yeah. call. Like, please, just you know, you want to hear your Mum's voice, and it's the person who brought you into the world, and it's like it just feels weird now. Mm. And it doesn't take much to add it into your diary. Exactly, the, the anniversary or their Mum's birthday. You know it. That's definitely some advice for listeners. Just mm. add it in. Just make a note of it because, like you say, Danny, it really does make all the difference when people acknowledge it. It was my mum's birthday, Friday just gone, on the, the day that we launched the podcast and mm. we kind of launched it on that date in honour of her birthday. It was our gift to her. And mm. I did have friends that sent me messages and sent me flowers and it, it honestly makes all the difference to know that people are thinking of you in what can mm. be a lonely day 
no matter if you're surrounded by people, there is still the pain and the loneliness. So it, yeah, do little gestures, even if it's a text. Flowers are great, but just an, an acknowledgement is, is, it, yeah, it, it's the best thing that you can do sometimes. Absolutely. And say our mum's name. Yeah. Like say their name. You know, it's, it's okay to say their name. We love it. We like it. We like hearing their name. Exactly. You want to keep the memory alive. It's, it is so nice to hear their names. And I think people mm. may sometimes shy away from that because they don't want to necessarily upset you or bring anything yeah. up, but or remind you that they're dead. It's like, <laughs> we know. <laughs> We're probably we never about forget. Them. We don't forget. So no. Yeah. Such good advice. So true. Oh, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to Loved have you. Loved chatting with you. And what you are doing through Motherless Daughters Australia is absolutely incredible. And we know that there's so many women out there, us included, that have benefited from your organisation. And we'll include all details in our show notes. So anyone that's listening and, and would like to know more about Motherless Daughters Australia, you can find all the resources in our show notes. But just a huge thank you, Danielle. Yeah, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you yeah. and Eloise having that chat, you know, all those years ago. So thank you so much. You're incredibly inspiring. And yeah, yeah we're, we're super grateful that you've joined us today to share your story. Oh, thank you so much for your lovely and kind words. And it's been really lovely to, to chat with you both. Thank you for having me. Love her. Love Danielle. So good. Absolutely love her. It was awesome to be able to hear Danielle's story. Really interesting and, perspective too, mm. and especially on losing your mum when you're young, sort of early 20s, early teens. Like it is a trauma, I think. Absolutely. Very interesting. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you have enjoyed listening to today's episode, then please do subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to. And if you can leave us a rating or a review, that would be really, really helpful. And if you or someone you know might benefit from listening to this podcast, please spread the word about Good Morning. Good Morning.